0: to Okay Sis Podcast. Hi sisters, I'm Maddie and I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout, we know. We're cultural observers and of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter
1: while we chat about fixations, learnings and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time, as long as you don't get too loud, Mads.
0: Welcome to the sisterhood.
1: Hi sisters, Scout here. Apologies for my voice. Uh, I lost it. And actually, I lost it during this episode. You'll hear me start to talk about my vocal fry and it turned into a full-blown, I lose my voice for a whole week. So this is the best I've been all week. So I apologize that I sound uh, basically like an extreme chain smoker. So, But I don't know. I can kind of get down with the raspiness a little bit. But I am so excited, sisters, that you're here. You just have me scout today for a mental health chat. And this episode, um, probably one of my favorite times behind a mic. I chat with Meadow, who is the lead um, mental health lead at Mad Happy. And honestly, there was no outline. There was no questions. She's a mental health girl like myself. She knows all the ins and outs of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so I had her over because she lives in San Diego. Some of you might remember her from our virtual live event that we had earlier this year. She did a whole CBT um, presentation on mental health. So um, yeah, that was when I was first introduced to her. She's known Maddie since I think high school, middle school maybe. And I was just so blown away by her energy, by her expertise, by her knowledge, by her experience in the mental health field that I knew that I had to get her on for one of my iterations of mental health chats and we drank wine and we sat outside and we literally talked for an hour and a half it went all over the fucking place we talked about orgasms we talked about anxiety um god like literally everything capitalism i don't fucking know we went all over the place, and we were just bouncing ideas. There was this electric energy between us, and all of a sudden, we realized we had been talking for an hour and a half. So, this is very much not exactly a podcast episode. It truly is a conversation about two women who just fucking vibed. We couldn't even finish a full thought because we were on to the next one. And I said, it's an hour and a half, so one of our longer episodes, but I think you're going to love it. Beto kept pouring me wine, so excuse me if I get sloppy. I don't think I did, but it was one of the most kind of lose yourself in time, really focused on the conversation, and I think you guys are really going to love it. And if you want more mental health content, you can follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. And I don't know if you know, sisters, but I have my own podcast called called Scout Podcast, where I just ramble about the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship. It's a solo episode podcast. Lord knows I do enough interviews with Mads on OK Sis, but if you're craving more mental health content, that's where to find me. So without further ado, uh, kind of like a fly in the wall episode of me and Meadows sitting outside drinking wine, chatting about life. Enjoy, sisters. Okay, sisters. We have the woman, Meadow, here, who, if you were at our virtual live event, (laughs) which was earlier this year, which literally feels like 10 million years ago, she was was our mental health. That was this year. That's wild. You were our mental health experts with Mad Happy, and we, I'm sorry, I'm just going to take credit for this part. Together, we blew the crowd away because you yeah. said, has anyone here read Untethered Soul and understand that thoughts aren't yourself? Yeah. And I just summed it up real fast. And I was like, we are not our thoughts because we know that we're not a chair because we witness it. So, therefore, if you apply that same logic, if you witness your thoughts, thoughts. you're not your you're thoughts. You're the observer. Yeah. You're the witness. You're but not then who thought. who are you? Who are you? You know? Like, if you're the observer, who are you?
2: Right. That's the ultimate question.
1: I mean- I know what it is. It's the soul, it's the reincarnation, yeah. but that's a separate conversation. Well, you've
2: done on the all the Eckhart Tolle? So stuff, I have not. You? I <gasps> have not read Eckhart Tolle. Oh god, I should have brought those over for you. So I'll bring I have next them. Time. I have them. Oh, you do? Okay.
1: For some reason, he. it's not my time. Mm. I've okay, tried that's fair. so many times to open up that book and it never works.
2: What's oh, what's the one everyone loves? It's not the the f- now, the now one? Yeah, no, the power of now. I do love that one. But there's um not Eckhart Tolle but not the Four Agreements. What's the Alchemist? You know how everyone yeah always I read says. that one. Okay, so everyone's like, "Oh, it's it's the best." Whatever. When I read it, it clearly was not my time because nothing resonated with me. I was like, "This is it."
1: Um, so I, I actually th- don't remember it like the story of the guy and he's yeah, like following, he's following his following path or path. whatever but
2: yeah. it just wasn't that it. I, it does have to be your time to read those things so i feel that
1: yeah i'm more of a wayne dyer person i i don't know him. i eat up wayne dyer for breakfast how
2: do i not know who wayne dyer he's amazing oh
1: yeah. so he is also a spiritual teacher but a lot of his philosophies are I mean, the problem with his books is that they could be half the size. He just kind of rambles about the same thing over and over again. So it's not really beneficial to read the entire. He's got like 20 books. He's a he's he's an angel on Earth for sure. For sure. For sure. He he has really, really intense spirituality concepts. But the way he talks about them, it's not, quote unquote, watered down by any means. It's just clear. Cool. So he actually, I was reading his book one morning on a Sunday morning, and uh, you know that idea that we're all one? Yes. Okay. So we've been, uh, we've heard that so many times.
2: But the collective unconscious. Yeah, Whatever. the whole yeah, thing. Yeah.
1: But integrating that and really understanding Ooh. what that means.
2: Integration's the hardest part of all of this. Yeah,
1: that's like yeah, a yeah, mushroom yeah. trip, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. He had me integrating it on a Sunday morning. Mushrooms. Okay. Oh, we could talk about mushrooms. Okay. He had me integrating about it on a Sunday morning sober. I was tripping. I was like,
2: I get it now. I get it now. Yeah, he's great. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to dive into that. Does he do any, like, is he on YouTube and stuff too? If his books are too long, can you listen to him in other areas or does he, you know what I mean? He's deceased. He has an audio. I'm sure he's
1: got them on audio. Yeah. He's Ed Milet, which, do you know Ed Milet? Mm -mm. Okay. So Mads always makes fun of me for him. Ed Milet, fat, which is such a wild. Of my world's converging. Ed Milette saw Wayne Dyer walking on a beach in Hawaii wow. and just had a whole conversation with him for an hour. I mean, he's, Wayne Dyer is very famous, very oh, famous. Cool. It's just a
2: really cool story. How do I not know who he is? Wow. <gasps> I'm so excited though. Do you know Gabrielle, Gabrielle Bernstein? Of course. Yeah. So sh- her I never read The Universe Has Her Back. My therapist told me to read that in like 2011. And I still haven't. It's, it's been on my list since 2011. And I still haven't done it. I've read it twice. Really? Okay, Her stuff it.
1: is inspired by Wayne Dyer.
2: Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so full circle to me. Okay. That, that, yes. Yeah. I see that. that makes sense. Okay. So who are you? Your name's okay. Meadow. Introduce Meadow. yourself. Tell everybody who you are. My name's Meadow. I'm from San Diego. Hence why I know the lovely Maddie and Scout from old high school friends, except for I didn't really know you then, but mm-hmm. I knew Maddie then. Um, I was always the one in the family that was the sibling to the mental illness Never had mental health issues myself, but thus because of that, like every single family member of mine has a mental health issue. Um, And so when I went to school, I knew I would just be that girl and fall into psychology. And I did. And I was doing all kind of like social work community programs like LGBTQ resource centers and working on university campuses and helping homeless youth find and maintain jobs. I worked at a homeless clubhouse for a while, worked with NAMI, did all that thing. And while I was at NAMI, which funny enough, I'm going to go on a tangent just because you and I love tangents.
1: Yeah, I have a thing about NAMI. Keep going. Oh, okay, good. Let's talk about it. So
2: when I was in college, NAMI was my dream job. Wait, let's
1: just stop real quick. NAMI is the National Alliance for Mental Illness. They provide resources, free support groups, et cetera. Largest
2: grassroots nonprofit in the nation. They have tons of different chapters. They don't have therapists on staff. It's all education, awareness, like legislation, that kind of stuff. But so that's why they were my dream job because I kind of realized quickly one-on-one oh beautiful hummingbird yeah we're in our backyard sisters we're outside um I kind of realized quickly working with clients it's cool but it, it just I didn't feel like I was strongest doing it I felt strongest doing advocacy doing education public speaking all that stuff so NAMI was so focused on that I was like great dream job I got there and I was like Okay, this is really fucked up to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I got there and I was like, oh, well, now I'm the smartest person in the room. Like, I thought this was going to be my dream. This was going to launch me and I'm here just like, this is what we're doing. Like, I feel, I felt like I went to move mountains and I could only move molehills. That's mm-hmm. always like my line that I tell people. Like, nonprofits are so corporate. And Weird. I guess people don't really realize that, especially because so many of the local mental health community programs are all funded by the government or funded by the county so everything is super rigid and structured and you don't really have a lot of room and you can't be innovative so I was there I was so excited to be there thought it was my dream job then was there and was slowly like okay this is not for me I'm not what am I gonna do like I thought this was it like now what and while I was there a friend of Maddie and I's from high school Riley was working at Glossier Mm. on Melrose and she was like demographic shift okay. I know right and she was like hey like down the street from me there's this new brand called mad happy they say they're all about mental health they're like this new cool kid brand like you should look them up and I did and they were they had two blog posts and it was still when the blog was connected to the website they only had two posts and I reached out to them and was like hey I'm a mental health worker but I love to write like if you ever want any help writing for your blog I'll write for your blog and so I did that for a little bit and then we kind the of had this optimist, right? the, local the local optimist, optimist yeah. well this was before then even because oh, okay. they didn't even have the blog yet okay and then December 2019, we were like, okay, you know what, if we're really, if you guys really want to do this and do mental health big, hire me, bring me, I'm from this world, I can be that liaison to the community, I can make sure everything is trauma informed and supported and that you actually have resources backed and et cetera, et cetera. And so they brought me on and now I'm the mental health girl.
1: That's so insane. And probably the biggest plot twist in anybody's career from NAMI to Mad Happy. Those are two oh. opposite worlds.
2: Well, as we were talking before we started recording, I, I'm i still so, that's why I feel like I have so much to learn from you. Like this whole entrepreneurial, if I'm going to do cons- a consulting business, mm-hmm. I'm still figuring it out. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still, you know, I'm consulting for brands. I'm figuring it out and I love it. But mental health is so new to, one, people paying attention to it, which I know you know. Oh, for sure. Two, to brands wanting to incorporate it. Like, that's so new. And three, for me, I just, I've always loved fashion and have been interested in brands and the internet and social media. Like, I was always that girl with, like, a cute aesthetic Snapchat stories, Mm. like, back in the day. I know, I was one of those. So I've always liked that, but I never thought that I had to study it like a career you know what i mean so i feel like i'm late to picking that up i'm i'm just like the psych girl that's now yelling about it on the internet <laughs> yeah but there's such a it's
1: it's so cool because it you know i think 5 years ago there wasn't a brand opportunity oh no. to have, you know, if you want to go into mental health as a job, which is why I never did, it was clinical, it was depressing, mm-hmm. it was serious, it was, you know, all the nonprofit stuff. It wasn't something that could be, I thought, on a day to day, an enjoyable workflow.
2: Well, so even when you had your blog and you would talk about bipolar and mental health and mental, like, were people even responsive to it then? Like, how, how often could you bring it up? Did you want to bring it up more? Like, I feel like even in this past year, people are, I, I'm sure you feel the same ways. I'm just shocked. Because people like, people like you and me have been talking about this shit for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, other people are listening. Yeah, and that's very that's like a very new experience for people to be listening to mental health.
1: Yeah. So I've had a weird experience and then I started a blog, actually, which I closed down when I was about 21 mm-hmm. talking about my experience because it was a year since I had been diagnosed. Right. i had been through outpatient. They locked me up on 5150. Yeah. And so I just started writing about my bipolar disorder on this blog, which blogs weren't really a thing. It was like a random mm-hmm. like thing that you did, whatever. And I started to share my story and... I got really good feedback, but in the internet back then was just friends and family. You you, oh, you, you didn't follow right, people right, right. You who weren't follow, your yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. Social media, Facebook, Instagram was just a thing. You only followed people who were your friends. It yeah. wasn't this thing where you saw a random person that's an influencer or whatever. For sure. So I did that, and it's so interesting to me, and I'll get to this point soon, but I really started talking about it on a more public scale when I went on Chatty Broads, the podcast. Mm. And that was in twenty early 2019. Okay. Or maybe, yeah, early 2019, I went on two years ago. Mm-hmm. A little over two mm-hmm. years ago, I went on and I... Just let go. I said everything. I was so honest. I cried. I did this. They also gave me a lot of wine. And blah even blah then,
2: blah. Since now, like twenty early oh 29. two years, crazy, night crazy. And day, night and day, night and day. So yeah,
1: even today, I'll get wow. You're so brave and strong for yep. telling your story. Yep. And then I say, please don't call me that. Yeah. Because it never took me any work. I. I didn't know that what I was saying was brave or strong. The right. only way I the only reason I know it is is because you've told me, right. which means that it didn't take anything out of me to tell you. I'm just a person telling you my story, and I don't understand why you think I wouldn't want to do that in the first place. It's
2: just stigmatizing. It's the same way when someone does that's not a size zero as a bikini photo shoot and they're like wow she's so brave it's like no she's just in a body yeah exactly it's not that big of a deal like it's not br- by calling it brave you're saying that it's a hard thing to admit which inherently is stigma yeah it's Which yeah, yeah which
1: means that you have a stigma around what exactly. my human experience is right and on top of that, what's brave and courageous is how I've recovered. Not exactly. the fact not the fact that I'm talking about it. Yes. What's yes. brave what's brave and courageous is that, that I I'm went here. Yeah. Is yeah. that I went from suicidal ideation and not holding a job to running a multiple six figure business and two podcasts and launching a book That's and having a relationship. Right. You know? Yeah. And so I have been given the most beautiful gift of recovery, which I think recovery and healing is the most beautiful gift, but yeah, you call me courageous because I'm opening my mouth to tell you my human experience. But what really took courage was looking at myself in the mirror and saying, "I'm addicted to my depression. Yeah. My depression keeps me safe. Yeah. It doesn't. It, it keeps me from navigating adulthood, my purpose, keeping any responsibility for me.
2: Depression gives me power." Yeah. Why do we, why do you think we say it takes strength to ask for help? Mm -hmm. Like when everyone's like, you know, rechange the narrative and tell people if they want to see a therapist, like that's brave, that takes strength. It's because it's so much easier to be asleep. Mm -hmm. Depression is safe. It's like a safe little bubble that you can curl into. You know what to expect. It's so much harder to crawl yourself out of that because you know, you're going to hit challenges. You know, that's going to be harder to unface. You don't know what it's going to look like. Like to get that th- that is the brave process i remember when my mom i don't remember what she told
1: me but i looked at her in the eyes at 21 i was so depressed and anxious and i said you're trying i'm 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 told that i'm supposed to go on this journey to be happy let's just use happy as the mm. placeholder the destination for a second and i said but i don't actually know what that is mm. i don't know what that looks like mm. so you're asking me to walk down a healing path mm-hmm. technically with blind faith yep Having no end goal that I can actually conceptualize and visualize and feel, you know, manifestation, you sit there and you feel what it feels like to win the award or to get the paycheck. I, there was that block. I couldn't, I couldn't manifest or visualize myself because I didn't, I was like, what do you mean I'm not going to be depressed and anxious? What do you mean Mm -hmm. I have to do this and this being anything other than bipolar I didn't understand what that meant.
2: And so because you hadn't experienced it, like, yeah, because you'd always had. So wait. OK, back up, because I just don't know this about you. Uh, how young did you experience mental health issues? Like, when did you first? I mean, hindsight's 20, 20. Right. So even if you didn't realize it, then. Yeah. Like how, so, what's your memory? you
1: know, when I talk about things, I always say 14 is the first depressive right. episode. Okay. However, if you go back to the age of four. I had continuous dreams that an older man was raping me. Wow. Continuous, all the time. Wow. And as a four-year-old, like, where did I learn How that? How do you even know I rape? don't even yeah, know. Yeah, oh yeah I don't God. even know what that was. And I developed extreme anxiety. One of my earliest yeah. memories is experiencing anxiety and as a oh, kindergartner. Oh. And I remember that something happened. The teacher yelled at me because she thought I did something. It wasn't me. It was the guy next to me. And then she quickly realized it. the whole thing was 10 seconds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I couldn't shake the feeling for four days.
2: Wow. Yep.
1: And I yep. didn't know what was happening to me. And mm-hmm. I didn't say anything because I was five or
2: four. You don't even have the, the verbiage to articulate what you're feeling. I just
1: remember it being so intense at that age mm-hmm. and not knowing what was happening and not understanding why it wouldn't leave.
2: Wow. And then
1: I started socially isolating. Mm-hmm. So my mom would sign me up for camp and I would figure out a way to come home early. I would throw fits. I would get angry. My parents had to hire a
2: meditation teacher. Took me hey, to that's kind of cool of them because yeah. that was also in a time when meditation was not well known.
1: Well, I was so explosive. I would yeah. scream and kick and get violent yeah. because I didn't want to go to school and be with people. I wanted right. to be alone in my room. And I would go. The meditator would have me blow all of my anger into a purple balloon, let it fly away. And then cool. I could enter Scoutland, which was purple and it had um candy on the walls and when you picked a candy it like another one came out and
2: that is so cool did it work was that helpful yeah, it
1: was very helpful yeah so i w- then i was a lot better for a little bit um and then went high school so when, yeah, when yeah, i look yeah. back i was like whoa you know i was i was like hitting my mom at yeah. six like screaming because yeah. i didn't want to be around people yeah so, yeah, I guess when I was younger.
2: That's really similar to, I mean, obviously different diagnosis, different stories, but similar to my brother. Like, my brother at a really young age was having not the dreams, but, like, horrible hallucinations. Mm. Just too young to even to to even know what this is. Like you said, too young to even know. How did you even get that? Just horrible, horrible. And That's then it terrible. turns into that. I just think, children, you don't have the... I mean, your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed to what, 26? Like, you don't have the means to articulate what you're feeling. That's why so much of children's mental health is expressed through their body. Like, you feel like you have a stomach ache. You know what I just learned? I just learned that acid reflux as a child is a symptom of anxiety. Like, that's a sign of anxiety. And I was like, I had acid reflux my entire childhood. Never chalked it up to anxiety. Hmm. Had no clue. Anxiety
1: is one of those weird um, aspects of mental health and mental illness that... Uh, disguises itself yes. as actual physical symptoms. Yes,
2: absolutely. I always say, like, anxiety is so elusive. It's really hard to describe for me.
1: I mean, there's so many... I've heard of grown men who I know in my, you know, grown I mean, like, 65, sure. who are saying, I'm having a heart attack, yep. and they, dre- yep. they They call yep. an
2: ambulance, yep. 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 and they're like, sir, it's you had an so anxiety physical. attack. Yeah, <laughs> it's so physical. It's nuts. It's nuts. But I just, I guess because I, as an adult... I experience it physically, but in a way, I, I just think my anxiety is much more emotional or much more, like, energetic, almost. Mm. And so it's kind of elusive to describe it as an adult. But because of that, I just didn't think... Because I've never had panic attacks or anxiety attacks to that manner. I've had, like the anxiety depression overlap where like, yeah, I'll cry for four days straight because I'm like too overwhelmed and can't handle it. But it's not, it's not that physical. I feel like my heart's stopping. Mm-hmm. But so I didn't realize that as a kid, that's how that would show up. But I, it's just cause we don't have the mental tools to do it. So everything comes out physically.
1: What, what does your anxiety look like? What, are there are certain triggers? Really like, question. um, does it just come, you know, whatever?
2: Yeah. There, I don't really get triggered by things specifically unless I'm like triggered by, I'm not, I haven't been taking care of myself, you know, but in general, it's pretty general. Um, but yeah, I think physical stuff always helps me feel better because I can feel it physically. And I I always say it goes one of two ways. Like I either can lean more into that. I'm too overwhelmed. I want to curl into a ball. Or I'm, like, so up and so high and so stressed out that I need to, like, run, which is very – I hate I hate running. Mm-hmm. So that's when I know my anxiety is really high if I, if I like, physically feel like I need to burst to energy, the energy out of you me. Have to move the energy. But typically, besides the physical stuff, like, it's this weird emotional elusive. It's always a tightness in my chest, but, like, in an emotional way, not in a physical way. And it's always this just sense of, oh, God, it's so hard to describe. It's like a. It's. It feels like I'm fucking up, and I don't know why, or how, or what I'm so doing. So impending wrong. doom. Kind of, yeah, but not like something big is gonna happen to me. Not like. Not like where I. Pre- I prefaced COVID or predicted you don't, COVID. You don't have the
1: image of of what the external impending no. doom is. You just suddenly have a feeling, a feeling that
2: something's not right, and you can't quite place what it is. Right. And when I can't identify that, then then it that then all the thoughts come in, and then the intrusive thoughts and the racing thoughts, and so that's why I'll always go to that's why I'll always go to Eckhart Tolle because he's something about the way that he writes helps me really pull back from my thoughts hmm. and like feel like I'm kind of that step above them and something about if I'm if I'm really getting in that conscious or I'm sorry those um, like racing thought cycle cyclical scenario that's when I'll go straight to reading him because something about it can just click for me to pull myself out of that <gasps> you know what else has really helped me this past year I'm wondering if you've done this too Have you ever gone down the asmr for anxiety rabbit hole no it's no, no, weird no. but it's kind of cool do you want to know what i've gone down yeah the giving myself an orgasm road oh well that's great too i did that today
1: yeah so did i it's i had anxiety great. and i was like i'm
2: just gonna masturbate i'm it's gonna feel so, so, good. Much, I felt so
1: much better sometimes yeah. it's like because i think people with anxiety just harbor energy within yes and I'm not saying, you know, if you if you're anxious, go masturbate, it'll help you feel better. <laughs> but doing it consecutively, like yeah. two to four times a week, actually yep. I've found that it just releases certain
2: pent up energy and, and yes. it allows things to move physically. Do you like Alyssa Vitti? Yes. We talked about her. Yeah. Did you her. hear her on Pia's podcast when she talked about like that range of like right before you're gonna orgasm and all the different chemicals and healing mm. benefits that released? Like there's so much neurochemical Mm -hmm. healing that happens when you orgasm like every woman should be orgasming all the time just for your health yeah
1: that's physical and mental I think it's a for me it's a it's a health thing yeah it's like yeah sexual whatever but it actually no, for it me really is a health it's thing kind though. of a health thing for me it's yeah. a way to move energy yeah build it you know get you know get all that pent-up energy out sometimes feel good in my body because yes. so many times you know do you have an embodiment practice are you getting into the embodiment train have you have you dabbled your toes
2: no but I was gonna ask you about manifesting when you orgasm oh so i've I've that's something I'm learning about but not embodiment tell me you go first I
1: don't think I'll just say I don't think that the universe is gonna hear my manifestations while I orgasm because I watch porn and I just think the manifestation and the porn will be too different.
2: But if topics. you, but
1: okay, so after,
2: <laughs> after, basically, like after you come, then can you like sit and meditate for a second? Could you like oh. turn it off and then sit and meditate and try to call in? Because there's something energetically that happens here okay. you know, that people get very into. Okay. I try to remember to do it, but honestly, sometimes I forget. I just kind of. But get that's back been to something work. recently. It's like yeah, I- <laughs> Just like okay, I got an email. <laughs> All right, let me go send this email. Yeah. If I've ever been on a call with you, I might have just masturbated <laughs> seconds before. Seconds
1: before. I think that's how everyone should take their breaks <laughs> in the day, in my opinion. Wait, but, what's the embodiment thing? Okay, so embodiment's very interesting, and I think it's very, very helpful for those with mental health. Am I um doing the vocal fry thing? What's that? Like where I'm, it's raspy. My voice is raspy.
2: Oh, not. To I me. need I didn't water.
1: Ma- Maddie's gonna kill me. <laughs>
2: Also, you guys, I just have to tell you, Scout has the most beautiful freaking home I've ever seen in my life. We're outside right now in the shade, in her backyard. I'm looking at her garden. Her dog was playing around with flowers. There's hummingbirds. There's butterflies. I'm telling y'all, I'm going to start working from home with her. I'm going to start just showing up here, bringing my computer and being like, okay, I won't talk to you, but I'm here today. It is stunning over here. My God. Have you guys ever listened to Oprah on those, or even those Prince Harry, Meghan Markle videos? Remember when she was interviewing them and you could hear all the birds in the background? Can you hear the birds? I'm talking to them about how beautiful your house is. I'm like, can you hear the birds in the background? Like, we're Oprah. You know how Oprah interviews those people? And you can, like, hear the birds chirping. And you have that big energy right now.
1: Hi, Luna. This is the problem with this mic is if you don't talk directly into it. Directly into it. Okay, so we're
2: opening. Gabby always gets mad at me for that, too. I should hold it up more, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Have you guys launched your podcast? No, we're supposed to launch. Do you want me to do it? No, that's just like a different type of wine that I just poured into my other wine. So you go first, and then I'll. They're both white. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We were going to launch in May for Mental Health Awareness Month, and then just couldn't get graphics done in time. So we're still just banking content, but it's been very fun. Oh, good. I can't wait for that to come out. I can't wait to have you guys on it. Let's do all four of us like super chaotic. I would love that. (laughs) We'll just all interrupt each other (laughs) constantly. you he won't hear me cuz <laughs> i don't
1: know if i can hang it with four <laughs> people it'll just no I'm, i've been getting i've been getting better about speaking up with mads on the mic um <laughs> okay you embodiment have, yeah. Okay. So embodiment was something I was really scared of because I think with mental health and mental illness, while anxiety lives in the body, I think that that gives you a negative association with how your body feels oh, at times. Yes, absolutely. And being, you know, with depression, anxiety, catatonia, psychosis, suicidal ideation, it's all in the head yes. so much. You're in yes. the head, you're in the head. And so for years, I felt totally disconnected to my body, but not really aware that I was disconnected. Mm-hmm. And so I went off birth control, first of all. <gasps>
2: PSA, women. We got to talk about that. Get off that shit now. It, it, no, my entire personality is different.
1: Oh, mine's not. Oh, it no,
2: no, no. Never, no. It, it, it didn't affect it, my personality at all. Oh, my God. My whole person. I, I almost that. want to apologize to everyone I knew through 2008 through 2017.
1: Okay, A Y S I
0: S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about.
2: Wow. Because I, I could have been a total cunt. I don't know. I am so much more chill and don't care about things and easygoing. Huh. Like, keep going. Yeah, no,
1: it never changed my personality, but it just, it cut off my biology. Yeah, And it so does. it cut off yeah. my inherent wisdom yep. to my body. And I think that in modern day society, we don't understand that this vessel is not it has inherent wisdom it of works course, in a way yeah. and if if we listen to it so significantly it gives us guides and signs and it mm-hmm. tells us where to go and mm-hmm. we think our mind does that but our mind lies to us most of the times our body doesn't mm-hmm. our body does not lie and so when I got up birth control I've got my period back I experienced cycles and it was hard. It was yeah. very hard. You know, the mood swings b- and I was off medication and the mood Ooh, swings. That's and hard, like yeah. It was a lot for me to experience. And the hormone shifts, I was just, wow. But once I kind of got used to it, I realized that I was so in the power and essence of what being a woman means. Mm. You know, I think getting re-in-touch with our feminine while also being in our masculine and moving forward in this society. I think a lot of gifts lie in this body. In totally. What in what and I I don't want to say it's like this tribal wisdom, but it goes back Kind of though. To, it goes yeah. back to when we were in more primitive states in the fact where we didn't have society and all this stuff. We mm-hmm. listened to our bodies mm-hmm. and we disconnected from that so significantly. So embodiment is getting into your body and moving it in ways that feel weird or embarrassing. Cool. Oh fun, know? fun, fun, yeah. It's just Feeling it's integrating the wisdom and the knowledge and your feelings inwards, cool. and then moving the energy outwards. So I'm not an expert, and it's something that I'm starting to play with as a healing mechanism. But for example, when I feel overwhelmed, I'll put on a song that matches the mood mm. and dance like crazy, right? Like weird. Nobody's like watching. Weird, just flail weird,
2: those limbs, baby. Freak
1: yeah. shit, right? <laughs> freak shit. Or one morning, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into my body. And mm-hmm. I didn't have music. I moved it for 20 minutes, just like,
2: cool, you know, interpreter, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And when I, I did that, that. it yeah. released this shame of, because the way we move our body is a societal construct, right? For like sure, for we, sure. You know, if you do a weird movement in the middle yeah. of the street, people are going to look at you. Absolutely, so your body is trained on a muscle standpoint to move certain ways. But when you can let all of that go, yeah. the amount of shame and trauma and shit you
2: release when you're just like, feeling weird in your body it's awesome and i know this is so against the point we're making but also isn't that the most attractive thing ever like if i see and i don't mean attractive like oh so sexy i want to be with you but if i jealous of that person yes like if you see someone at a wedding or at a club and they're just getting it Mm -hmm. given that they're all doesn't care and they look wild. I'm like, that's who I want to dance with. That's what me because they don't care do. and they're having so much fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's like, what means. That's Mads so do. attractive as a human. Like I, you're just so attracted to that energy because that's so free and that's so
1: beautiful. But there's something even Matt, me and Mads do that, and I'm so grateful that I. C- can do that with her in yeah. public we were just at a yeah, movie yeah. theater at the end of in the heights and we started salsing around yeah. the
2: movie theater um but it. try it alone yeah 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 like, oh i dance alone in my living room constant because i grew up dancing yeah do you dance i feel like you did no No. okay i grew up dancing and so when you do you always feel like you're a dancer even though you've mm-hmm. stopped for mm-hmm. however long of course so i fully will i will bust out like a whole routine you know There's what i mean power like i in it yeah to like
1: Even like throwing your fist in the air, like jumping. At one point I just let go so much that I was literally Jumping jumping for like it's so cool. It was so good. And it's been such a healing way to just get in touch, to feel her. Yeah. I how do I talk to her? How do I move her? How do I treat her? Thinking of my body as her. Yeah. Allows me to create such a beautiful relationship with her that isn't
2: just caught up in my stupid
1: mind that lies to me all day, anyways. Totally,
2: totally. I have a, a really good friend named Lena who is a certified yoni steamer. Like she talks about vaginal health and yoni steaming and kind of all those holistic practices. And she's been such a cool, honestly, expander for me trying to get more into my body and having more positive body image because I feel like what I want to go back to what you said even before embodiment which was when we're so wrapped up in our head and our head is lying to us and we have mental illness and we feel that disconnect with our body I feel like that's part of the reason why I've felt so I felt like I've had so much insecurities for so long I've had gnar- in okay we grew up in San Diego it's gorgeous and warm all year long I wore shorts once in high school because I'm so insecure about my legs and I you know what's funny is I was in therapy for 10 years never talked about it Never talked about body image. you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, tell me. Body image for women is
1: the one thing we won't go there with. So I had my coach on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And before we started, I said, client confidentiality is out the window. I am an open book. And we talk about whatever we talk about. Cool. And I opened up about everything easily. And at the end, she looked at me and she said, so you're going to talk about your body image journey? (laughs) (laughs) And I looked at her. I'm like, you fucker. You fucking bitch. You (laughs) fucker. Fine. She's like, you told me. And I was like, Fuck. Yeah. like, there's something about body image for women that is so intensely shameful and we don't we don't validate our experience with body shame to the level that it is and every woman is suffering from it
2: well that's the thing it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't because you talk about it it's like okay old news every woman's insecure of your body get over it but then you go on your instagram and you post a photo in a bikini and you go i feel so good about myself today i'm learning to love my body and people are like who the fuck does she think she is posting that like she thinks she has the body to do that or like oh she's asking for a tent like no matter if you love it or or not
1: why are you insecure about your body? Exactly. Stop talking. You
2: you have no you have no right to be insecure about your body. It's yeah, just you're
1: you're a size two or whatever exactly, it is. Exactly. But it's it's this. I I really think it's a very tender. You know when you get a massage. Yes. And then you feel that tenderness in yes. one spot. That's what it is for women. Yeah. It really is. Body image is. It is something that we will destroy ourselves over. Yeah.
2: I've been talking about it so much recently because I really feel like within the last six months, I like looked at myself in the mirror and was like, "You're hot and that's it. Stop. Like it's over. Mental switch in my brain, like that's it. I'm hot. I bought swimsuits the past couple months, my first time in 10 years buying swimsuits. Wow. And I look so cute in them. And yes like, you do. It's such a new thing for me though, and it was I don't know it's is it's, it connected with in- sexual intimacy? maybe maybe because I have a partner for the first time that makes me feel safe so maybe that's why that's helped because it's I mean even in the way I've been working out in the past pandemic was always like okay I'm not working out to look good where am I going I'm looking out so I feel good because if I don't Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go nuts being in my little apartment Mm -hmm. by myself all day so I think just having a partner that validates me no matter what and then focusing my shift on how I feel which is funny you take the you take the attention away from how you look and all of a sudden you think you look good.
1: Oh, for sure. I was struggling yeah. with my body image so much because I went off my meds and my birth control around the same time and I gained a lot of weight. Like not oh, a lot sure. of sure. I gained weight because like my body was like, what's going exactly. on? Oh, like God. all the hormones, like coming off meds. Like well, nah, even nah,
2: nah. every single year as woman, don't you feel like your body changes drastically?
1: Oh, dude, like can't keep up. Can't keep up. Yeah. Can't keep up. Last year, I think my my hip bones have <gasps> moved.
2: Yeah, totally. Like oh, literally. such a woman thing. Such like yeah, men, that's like late twenties. Like here we come. Yeah, yeah, men,
1: men's bodies do not change. Not only no, as they get
2: hotter. That's what's fucked up is they, they get, get wrinkles, hotter while we start going down. They get
1: salt and pepper. They get all the they they fucking wash their face with uh, like three for dish one soap yeah. like. And they don't have a a pimple. Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, paying God knows what to get this sunspot off my face. But somehow my husband has no sunspots. Who knows how. Um, But not only do women's bodies significantly change over time. Significantly. uh, Which I change rapidly throughout the month with my monthly cycle. There is actually. Me too. One week I actually don't fit into my jeans. I actually have two (gasps) different types of
2: pants. For that phase? Which phase? It's the week before the period. Okay. Luteal. Because I've been noticing recently as I'm using Alyssa Viddy's app and now mm. I'm kind of paying more attention for the past year. My luteal phase is worse than my period almost. Like I'm Me more too. emotional. Me too. More crampy. I'm I get weird my digestive. Yes. I'm chilling my is period. That about?
1: Like the luteal phase is the one where I'm fucked up now? And it's annoying because that? why is the phase that you're fucked up the phase you can have sex?
2: Oh my God.
1: I would don't rather not feel yeah. good in my exactly. body when, I,
2: when I'm on my period. Exactly. I'm also so horny on my period. Oh. It's like I don't want to have sex, but I'm so horny. When I ovulate, oh, I actually yeah, yeah, went yeah. for a walk and I had to come home.
1: <laughs> I had to come home. I can't home. be in public. I'm too horny. I walked into this the house. This tree is hot. And I looked at my this husband. This house is hot. And I said, it's, it's now. It's now. I don't give a fuck if you're not in the mood. I don't care if this is consensual.
0: This it's is about now. me.
2: <laughs> yeah. And this is something that my birth control masked. Okay, wait. So are you are you on any uh, mental health meds right now? No. Nope. Okay, so I'm on an SR- SNRI right now. What's an SNRI? Norepinephrine and serotonin. Wait, so
1: SSRI? You don't have to share it if you don't want to. Oh, no, it's totally fine. Uh, Well... Okay, and so I feel like, you know, think they should be on that one. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So Here I wait, don't, the, I won't put the mic away and mouth it. I
2: don't know that one. Okay. So it's a SN, so it's serotonin and norepinephrine. norepinephrine. Um, I really, really like it. The one thing is, is I do feel like I have a lower libido than I used to. Mm. It's like my only side effect. See,
1: I think that the lower libido is a, ga- is now I have an understanding, is a deal breaker because I really believe that a woman's power
2: can be directly tied to her libido levels well are don't you feel like our uterus is a portal like the fact that we give birth like babies are fully in a different you're not born i'm sorry so you're not you're it's not like you're dead but you're you're in a different portal you're in a different we are a portal to the other to the other side whatever that is to god yes to whatever that is to whatever god is to you like we're a portal to that
1: god my fucking voice this is what happens when i talk too much all day that's fine drink Um, more wine
2: we'll get more interesting yeah that's a good (laughs) idea Um,
1: I can't believe. I actually, once I went off birth control and understood my hormones and my bodies and getting periods and the libido going up and me being like three sizes bigger, it's an exaggeration, like one to two, you know, whatever it was. I just, I understand why men were like, hey, maybe they shouldn't run shit. <laughs> But wait, no, but don't pull that quote because it's going to no, get, no, no, get good. No, 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 I know, no, no, I know I, know. I That's un- why I laughed. I understand <laughs> why that was their initial thought. But the fact that we can run shit and deal Do with, with this. all of this makes us so much more qualified. And they're gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: we fact s- that we can navigate through all of your collective gaslighting and this, I'm pointing at my body. And their children yes.
1: and get back to work and put food on the table and deal with hormones. And it's like... The fact that we're not in charge just blows my fucking mind. Yeah.
2: I think another reason why I've tried to be more connected to my uterus recently, which I wonder if you'll agree with this, is because I fully want to have kids within like two years. Yeah, good for you. I'm at that point. So it's like when I think, I think when you're in longer term relationships and you start thinking about that and thinking about what that'll look like, doesn't that just inherently want you to connect with it now? Because it's like, well, if if I'm going to really want to be understand what that looks like then don't you want to understand a baseline I don't know I'm just so much more interested in my uterus like understanding what what each phase why is my luteal phase more like this or do or I or like why that? you know Alyssa or... Vitti says sometimes you're more hungry yes and sometimes like some, you're less and sometimes yeah. you're more and how intermittent fasting is actually not appropriate for women in their reproductive years. and
1: Oh, that's a terrible narrative that people are saying that we should all be intermittent fasting. Oh, I
2: fully did for two. I mean, this was like five years ago, but I fully did for two years because everyone was like, it's so healthy. And, the, the, and I do believe detoxes are really good for you. Like we've seen that before, but it's good for you if you're not a reproductive woman. And also like if you're a the, menopausal woman or a man. Also like maybe, you know. Three times a month, just just take
1: a little break. Like, have your digestive system take a little break. break. Exactly. We don't need to do this every day. What are we doing? Right. I have a surplus of food in the fucking kitchen. Like, let me eat breakfast. Exactly.
2: Also, women are just so because we all deal with body image issues. Men do too, but I think that just the, that eating disorder narrative gets too much of a slippery slope or the second yeah. you start trying to go there. Oh, I wonder has now being influencery? do people reach <laughs> out to you about uh body stuff or like diet plans? Cause I had some random person. I'm not, I have like what, 200 followers. I had some person reach out to me and try to sell me like a body plan. And we're like, Oh, will you promote it? I'll give it to you for free. I will never hold me to anyone listening to this. Hold me accountable in the future. I will never promote like a diet or body or workout plan because I don't think it's appropriate. Like women are all so different and we all have such hard triggers. Like I I want you to, I just want to eat food and feel good and feel healthy and different things will work for me than work for you. And I, I just don't think it's appropriate.
1: Yes. And I don't really like, and this is my opinion. I'm not such a fan that the whole weight loss thing is so triggering. I think it's We need to get to a point, in my opinion, wow, my voice is going, I'm sorry sisters, Maddie's really gonna kill me. (laughs) We need to get to a point where like, if you feel more comfortable five pounds lighter, Mm -hmm. you have every prerogative to lose weight in a healthy way sure, and sure, talk sure, about it sure that shouldn't you know yeah that people should, are not there yet people aren't there yet yeah, because absolutely. we the, the pendulum was so far the other way yeah. however there is a time and place for weight loss for some people in their journeys yeah it it doesn't have to be for everybody so one I'll never promote like that diet crap whatever yeah that stuff's stupid whatever but you know I don't I, I think we're a little too sensitive with the word weight loss like yeah for example i've seen i work in press and so mm-hmm. i've seen people write articles that literally are talking about weight loss but they will not use, use the, the word, word because it's triggering and they want to be pc and i'm like mm-hmm. dude this is about weight loss just fucking say it and people won't say it like it's oh it's okay if you want to lose weight it's okay if you want to love your body the way it is it's okay if this is what you do as long as The subconscious reasoning and the motive behind your eating behaviors are healthy and from a place Mm -hmm. of love.
2: I feel like this is something that you're totally going to agree with me too. I think people are misunderstanding what triggers are for. I think now that we've become yeah. so sensitive 100%. when people are triggered it's like oh no 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 that wasn't my intention let me avoid that at all costs whereas the intention should be if I'm triggered by you saying the word weight loss that's your, I don't that's get mad your, at you that's I your look thing. in exactly your it's thing. my fucking thing that thing. I need to deal with like you don't then try to control the external thing you try to go okay and that's hard once again because you're lo- having to look at yourself and you're having to do it yourself and we I understand that's about, hard we but we were just
1: talking about someone that did something that triggered me yes. kind of ish and I said listen this is probably Probably me being jealous of what, that yep. you know, that's where this is coming from. We it, if we didn't open our mouths at, you know, personally, this is just me. I know you work in mental health and you probably have a different opinion, but I will never put a trigger warning on anything I do. Mm. I just won't. I just won't. Mm. Yeah. I won't. I'm not going to put a disclaimer on what I say. Yeah. I'm not going to put a trigger warning. I'm going to say what I fucking have to say yeah. because there's some truth in it. Yeah. You do not have to agree, resonate, like what everyone says on the internet. It is not, you are not entitled to open your eyes and have everything be colored according to what you want it to be.
2: This is why if people did mindfulness more, I feel like this would hit because if you read Eckhart Tolle, if you read Michael Mm -hmm. Singer, if you understand that you are not your thoughts, then when you associate yourself with like a group, like, okay, so let's go, let's go political. Like say I'm a Democrat. yeah. But if I'm putting my entire identity into that Demographic and understanding when someone has. Even a critical, you know, feedback or some sort of a uh, oh, they can't disagree. Yes. They can't take it. Because they it's a f- direct threat against who they are. But you're not. That's not who the fuck that's you are. You you're are. not your thoughts. You're not these identities where it's if you could understand and separate that, you wouldn't feel I, so attacked or so triggered by something because it's not it's not attacking you. Yeah. It's not you. You're the person behind witnessing all this. So that's why to just notice it and be like, oh, wow, that really did bring something up for me. Why? How? Go hash it out with a therapist. Think about it. Work through it. But that's not for you to control the external circumstance. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. The need that we feel like the world needs to conform to make us feel safe. We have to learn how to feel safe inside. Yes. And I'll just go on the record and say that I've seen so many Democrats not being able to take, or Democrats um, criticizing the Republicans for being Mm -hmm. a certain moral way when they exhibit the exact same type of divide and you're other than me and it's just it's just all that label stuff kills me but I think that the the focus of what we should all do is understanding our emotional landscape understanding Mm -hmm. our emotional triggers not stopping anybody who has saying what they're saying doing what they're doing because we cannot control everybody we cannot control what we see on our screens we can to to a certain point which is curating the feed and blah 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 but At some point, we have to understand that when we walk outside our door, there's a world going on and we Mm -hmm. have to learn how to be okay in here Mm -hmm. no matter what comes your way. And that's, I always say, you know, that's the ultimate goal for me. Like people say, I'm trying to find the fountain of youth. I found the fountain of strength in knowing that I'm safe in here no matter what happens to me externally.
2: Okay. So I was thinking about that when you said you were younger and that you didn't know what that end goal of happiness looked like. Mm -hmm. Even in my head, the first thing I felt, I felt resistance to what you were saying because I was thinking that's not a destination though. That's something you could tap into now, whether or not you have any of the things that you think you need to get to that destination, like yeah. manifestation. The reason it works is because you, you don't have to be on vacation to feel the feeling of yeah. being on vacation. Like if you know how to control your emotions and your feeling and your energy, you can be on vacation right now. Yeah. And I know that's a really weird thing for people to hear. And I don't know if everyone's going to fully understand what I'm saying when I say that, but I it's like you can choose to change that reality for yourself right now yeah. okay so what helps you get there like what do you do weekly what 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 is it for you is it meditating is it journaling is it therapist is I it feel like safe yeah or just to like practice yeah. being your authentic self kind yeah of.
1: so there's a lot I think the most fundamental was changing my core belief that I'm unsafe in my emotions to I am safe in my emotions yeah. because when you feel unsafe in your emotions, you'll feel something and then you'll go into panic mode because yeah, yeah, your yeah. core, you're being threatened, right? You're, su- you're, you're, survive- you're, you're in survival mode. Mm-hmm. So I had to change my core belief to, from I am, un- I am not safe in my emotions to I am safe in my emotions. Mm. And to do that took months. Mm-hmm. I would say it to myself every time I over. felt an uncomfortable emotion, I put it on a post-it note and put it on my bathroom, whatever. Cool. I everywhere it was on the background of my phone it was Mm -hmm. just constant constant Mm -hmm. constant constant because the only reason I believed that I was unsafe in my emotions was because I told myself that over and over so if that's because I told myself then I can tell myself something different yeah exactly so that was number one really really for me is that understanding that I have survived every uncomfortable emotion up Mm -hmm. until up until now that. If I've survived every uncomfortable emotion up until now, I can survive the next ones that come. So just reminding my nervous system and my physical body that we don't need to be in survival mode when
2: something uncomfortable happens to us. You know what did that for me? Sorry to interrupt you. No, My dad dying. I was going to say. My dad when died you, at 17, yeah. and I thought this is the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to me. I was just that as I said that. Really? Yeah. It's the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to me, and it happened at age 17. So now I'm fucking fearless. Yep. What else can you do to me? What else can you take away? You took away the one thing that I thought that I really even into like the day b- when he fell. I was like, this is the scariest thing that I can ever imagine happening, mm-hmm. and it did, and I survived, and I'm here. Yeah, and so it's just that's so liberating. Okay, keep going. What else? No, but
1: that's so true. As I was saying that, I was like, exactly.
2: When I just poured,
1: Oh, she poured more. I know, more. but
2: then you poured it for yourself, and I realized I don't. You you d- like, I, it's like a rule. You can't pour your own wine. I don't Oh, know. I, I had to heard top that it rule. Off. That's cute. It's I like just kind of cute, it's isn't cute, it? It's cute. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that. When you look back, like looking back into your past and gathering evidence that you've survived really terrible shit. We've Mm -hmm. all survived Mm -hmm. terrible shit, no matter what it is. Even if you think like you're listening to this, you're like, I don't have a mental illness or I haven't lost a parent or whatever it is. We've all survived some terrible shit. Pain is subjective. We've all experienced that emotion. Which is
2: also why everyone should go to therapy, even if you think you've never been through enough. I'm using 100 to go to 100%. therapy. 100%. There's shit. We all are feeling the same six basic core emotions. Yep. Whether the circumstance was different or not, your level of trauma maybe was felt the same way as mine when my dad died, 100%. even if your dad didn't die. Yes.
1: Going. 100%. What was I talking about?
2: The other ways oh. in which you. So, yeah.
1: So once I once I kind of realized that I had um, survived all my emotions this far, so that I am safe. They don't kill me. I'm good. Um, I do a lot. Like yeah. I do an
2: extraordinary... Tell me the moment. weird stuff, though. Okay. Because I feel like we're gonna bond over that. Is there? I feel like I get weird too. You know? Oh,
1: okay. When you mean weird, what do you? What's an like woo woo or like? Yeah, like woo woo. Okay. So well, so in the morning, the first thing I do is I journal. Cool. Like I get my, I bring my coffee. I sit on the couch with Looney. And I journal subconscious, like barely awake, two sips of coffee. Whatever comes out, comes out. Very mm-hmm. stream of consciousness. So and no prompts, stream no of prompts. consciousness. stream of consciousness, whatever comes out that day. And then I usually pick a card. I have a bunch of different decks that cool. I have. The Sacred Rebel right now is my favorite, although the Star Seed Oracle is great. It's very, those are very woo-woo. If you're looking for a less woo-woo version, I recommend Inner Compass. Cool. Um, so I pick those cards, and then I try to go for a walk for 30 minutes, like, or 45 minutes, a power walk. Um, I shower, which includes like a, well, this is my
2: morning routine. I shouldn't, I'm Well, I'm go with, I love morning routines. Morning routines are literally why it's I'm stable reason. throughout it's my the day. It's only reason so this I'm is stable. This, this is it stable. anyway.
1: Yeah. So I should say that I'm listening to a podcast while I'm on my walk. So once cool. I'm done journaling and picking cards, every now and then I'll do a five minute quick meditation. Okay. I'll put a podcast Guided, on. unguided guided, app. Guided. What Inside apps? timer. Okay. There's a five minute gratitude meditation. It's very quick. I'm not the best meditator. So I find five minutes is boom. Perfect. Um, I listen to a podcast in the morning, in the morning when it's a work day, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a business podcast to like get me, get get me primed. Yeah. I'm really my masculine around business. I Mm -hmm. think people view me as a very chill person Mm -hmm. when I speak, but internally I'm very intense when it comes to business. So I, I do that and then I come, come back, I make myself a breakfast. I don't look at my phone until 'til eight, eight thirty every day. Cool, me too. Yeah, forget yeah. about it. Don't even yeah. I don't want to look at it. I yeah. pick greens from my garden, saute greens, make eggs, Yum. eat my breakfast while finishing up the podcast and then I'll shower. I'll dry brush, mm-hmm. shower, body oil, skincare routine, get dressed, and then I start my day. But things I, I Maddie said this really great. It was like little doses, I forget what she said of self care, but Um, I do things that nourish me throughout the day. So Mm -hmm. like cup Mm -hmm. of tea, I ground all the time. I come out to this backyard. I take my, that's my favorite practice. Probably Me too. Me too. Walking on the grass barefoot. That's the best.
2: Um, the first thing when you were like, Oh, let's
1: go outside. I literally took off my shoes. I was like, Oh my God, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm (laughs) out here all the time without my feet, without my feet, without my shoes on. (laughs) Um, I have crystals around me. I use essential oils. um, a lot of the way I talk to myself, I'm always conscious about the way I talk to myself. I actually really don't have, I have a really great inner, inner voice. I have a really great inner voice. Cool. Like how lovely. Really, I have a really great one. Yeah. I think maybe once a month I say something mean to
2: myself. Oh, like I'm, that's so nice. My a, mom always always said that. I'm like, whenever we talk about your internal dialogue or inner voice, my mom is like, this is mine. like what's going on i was like wow you you are a dime a dozen do you want to know mine
1: is yeah mine's just like you're so motherfucking powerful (laughs) you have visions that that are so awesome goddamn witch yeah like go for it like we got this like it's just always this pump up in my head it's like imagine like a guy at the gym like just fucking pumping iron that's in my head (laughs) um and then you know i do a lot of other things like meditation, I'll do every now and then. I read before bed every single night mm-hmm. a mixture of spiritual business books and fiction.
2: I spiritual books are my favorite to read at night before bed yes it they really gets you. you in that zone so
1: yeah wayne dyer says in one of his books that when you're manifesting manifesting before you go to bed your headspace is the most important because if you're in a mm. negative headspace and you're anxious and you go to bed that's going to seep into your subconscious and get even deeper rooted into your body mm. so he says before you go to bed try your hardest to just be clear-minded
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: but you know i do the gratitude stuff that was the first totally. th- that was the first tool i started with actually is gratitude gratitude yeah
2: when, when it's kind of the easiest place to start because i mean everyone knows the concept i mean at least in america we all know the concept of gratitude when, on thanksgiving yeah you know so it's like at least that's talked about a little bit more so you kind of understand mm-hmm. where to start if, yeah. no one, if someone had no clue yeah about this whole mental health thing yeah that's true. you know what i mean yeah i'm also
1: a non-negotiable for sleep it's eight and a half same eight and a half to nine hours same. don't give a
2: shit i'll leave it 10, 10 10 early. 30
1: i'm in bed i have to be asleep before 10 yeah that's my yeah that's my non-negotiable what time
2: do you wake up then
1: between six and seven, depending cool. on what my body wants. Cool. But um, a lot of alone time. I need yeah. a lot of alone time. Yeah. A lot of alone time. Um, a lot of putting my phone away. Yeah. Spirituality, prayer, a lot of prayer, mm-hmm. um, a lot of asking for guidance, a lot of surrendering, mm-hmm. a lot of talking to God, cupping,
2: acupuncture, Reiki, all that stuff. What did you think of To Be Magnetic when you were doing it? Oh, I loved it. Because I'm very into it right now. I, d- I
1: loved it. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't, as I'm in a I'm in a busier season with my business.
2: Oh, there's not enough time. Sure. You gotta like sure. It's thirty minutes a day at least.
1: It's like forty five. Yeah, with the emotional yeah. hangover, exactly. it's a yeah. forty five minute thing. And the journaling, the
2: di is the. It's it's, it's it's a time commitment.
1: It's a time commitment and. At this stage in my life, you know, I'm in a mastermind, Mm -hmm. so I'm committing to my self-care in there significantly. And I started reading, like, Dr. Nicola Perra, who I'm obsessed with. Are you reading How to Do the Work right now? Okay, so I was reading it, and then I called my coach crying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But she was like, hey, scout um can I remind you because I was like I'm doing my inner child (laughs) and she's like can I remind you that you have committed so significantly in your personal development and spiritual practice in these areas and adding on inner child right now isn't actually going to be beneficial you need to got yourself
2: yeah we got time you can get to that in a little bit hi Luna we can get to it she's So, so cute yeah I um that's so funny you say that because I'm Gosh, like hundred and fifty pages in, and I keep telling everyone in the world to read that book, but I also have not finished it because it's you got to take it in stages. It's tough. You take it in stages, but Hi. I think it
1: was so cool because Mads was doing TBM and she called me because you know you create like your ideal parents or something. Yes.
2: Yeah. She's like, I feel magnetic
1: so bad, parents. magnetic parents. She's yeah. like, I feel so bad doing that because like I love my parents, and I said, here, let me give you an an, an example. You had a sister, me, who was mentally ill. And that created things for you. So I think, because I love you, that you should create a magnetic sister that wasn't mentally ill and Mm -hmm. didn't provide the family with trauma.
2: And that could still be you. Yeah. It could be your authentic self. Yeah. She's just picturing you in your, like, highest state, whatever that is. Yeah. Because we can't all operate in that all the time. Yeah. So it's just more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about, real
1: quick, the fact that healing isn't linear? Oh, my God. Because I actually think that's why people jump off the track. Yeah, I do Because they have a breakthrough, Mm -hmm. they're doing good, Mm -hmm. and then they move backwards.
2: Well, it's because... Okay, so... And then they're like,
1: wait a minute, I thought I was here already, what the fuck's going on? And then they jump off. Exactly.
2: Neil deGrasse Tyson said this once, oh my god, I swear to god, I'm either quoting him from Hot Ones or Jesus and Marrow, which is like the most embarrassing way to quote Neil deGrasse Tyson, but it's true. And he said something about... When learning more about space, as the circumference of your knowledge grows, so does the perimeter of the questions we have to ask. Mm. And I feel the same way with mental health work. As you get deeper and understand yourself more and learn and unprocess things and make these breakthroughs, you're going to have more and more questions to ask because you're going to a place you've never gone before. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be constant. It's a it's a goddamn roller coaster, baby.
1: Yeah, it's kind of what I'm equating to my business right now because um, – Rachel Hollis said this on a podcast, to Sorry, sisters. I know she was quote-unquote canceled, whatever that means to you.
2: Well, I don't know who that is or why she was canceled.
1: Uh, we can talk about that all okay, Why she was canceled. It's a whole thing. But uh-huh. um, I was listening to her podcast because she had Tim Grover on, who okay. I'm obsessed with right now. And um, he was Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's coach. He's amazing. Wow. And I was listening, and, and Rachel said... My business is harder than it was ten years ago mm-hmm. and it resonated so much with me because you think that you get better and stronger, but mm-hmm. the mountains and the problems get more expansive mm-hmm. in in business specifically like. Mm-hmm yes, I can, you know, I've graduated to certain levels and I can handle level one, like no big deal, Mm -hmm. but level five is a lot fucking harder than level one was, you know? Right. And I think it's similar in our personal development where we get strong enough to handle the expansion, but the
2: expansion keeps happening. But, but not to a way where like people then drop off because they think, oh, this is too hard. I'm going to keep hitting these setbacks, but it, it's not in a way where it's where it should be discouraging it's in a way yeah. where we are always going to be learning no matter what stuff is always going to be become don't be discouraged by it know that whatever you're learning now someone else may be light years ahead of you mm-hmm. and guess what they're still failing all the time yeah so it shouldn't be a thing where oh I'm going to be so discouraged because maybe I'll get better and then maybe I'll take 17 steps backwards and do a twirl and go upside down it's all of us are doing that no matter where it looks like we're on the journey so if everyone's gonna go through that anyway might as well hop on board
1: baby but don't you one amen but don't you think that the way our society um rewards us is Ooh. in linear fashion Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, we yeah. go to high school we graduate we get good grades then we go to college then we graduate then we get the job then we get the raise and we go up and up the ladder
2: and even in a way like if you marry you get the tax benefits and then you can have the kids and only if you follow this plan and this narrative is then you get all the benefits to surviving in this world so and, when the human yeah. experience
1: isn't linear we get sure. confused because we've been conditioned by society to think that our experience here on life is linear
2: sure but that's where that's where the inner work comes back because if you do the inner work and you feel validated in your own experience on your own you don't need that outside approval which yeah. is a, so much easier said than done I know I said that so, so flippantly but guess what? It's no matter where you're on on the journey all of us are still fucking unpacking that all day every day anyway yeah no matter if it looks like we haven't handled or not that's what I mean like you said like if it's not linear we're all gonna be on that roller coaster that's okay so this is
1: a concept that is coming in my book which I don't talk about Ooh, okay. on the podcast so I'll share a little sneak peek real quick is that Oh, I really shouldn't be talking about this, but I've had some wine Ooh, and I promised exclusive. that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't talk about something from my book for a long, long time. But there's a You're chapter called, exclusive. um, get an ROI on your pain. Wow. And it's this idea that I was talking, I wrote about this in my book, which is not out yet. Sorry. I was talking to my friend and she was so anxious because she was at a job that she hated and she had yeah. to do something that she didn't want to do. Yeah. But it was the path that she linearly was supposed to take. And she was put on medication just to deal with the anxiety of her oh. job. And I was really anxious that day because I was unsure if a client was happy with my work, with my services. Okay. And I sat there and I'm like, we're both anxious right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you're not getting an ROI on your pain. Mm-hmm. Your anxiety is regressing you backwards towards feeling fulfilling and happy in your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My anxiety... Has an ROI, which is that I'm building my own business and my dream and mm-hmm. my vision and this and this and this. So it's this idea that no matter what path you take, mm-hmm. the pain and the discomfort is there. So you might as well choose the pain and the discomfort
2: that you get an Never ROI try. on. Yeah. I mean, I, every, everything you're saying is just, I, I have so many thoughts swirling my head, I don't even know where to start. Everything you're saying is so true. And it also goes back to like, you might as well jump on board with this journey. Because you can either feel, feel the dis- same yeah, emotions exactly. and get something from it or not. You're going to feel the same emotions and either work through it in therapy or not because you don't think it's enough. But guess what? No matter what the circumstances, you're still going to feel We're all going to feel it anyway. Get your ROI. Yeah. Get your ROI. Wow. That, ooh, that's a beautiful way to put that. Yeah. That get a your beautiful fucking ROI. I have
1: to put things in business terms. Yeah. Or else I don't show up.
2: How do you reconcile? mental health and personal development and emotions and emotion regulation with business because business is so male dominated, mm-hmm. which is so historically emotionally suppressive mm-hmm. that I feel like business has no place for emotion. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really struggle because I'm so emotionally and intuitive driven. And also, once again, you know me, I'm, I'm new to this whole world. So I'm just trying yeah. to like learn and navigate because even when talking about like advocating for yourself as a woman and trying to get a raise or ask for rates that are appropriate, people are like, oh, ask like a man, think like a man. But it's, but I almost feel like if I connected to my emotions more, not in a way where I have to be emotional at work, but in a way where I like, can I tap into that intuition and that like team dynamic of understanding the emotions of other people? I don't, I just, how do you reconcile? Well, how are you grappling with that? This is
1: a conversation that I have to have on another episode. I'm okay, going to have cool. with you offline Cool. because this is my book.
2: Really? Shut yeah, up. Yeah. Oh, my God. So cool. Oh, and God. Gonna, I can't wait for this book. And I'm going to
1: tell you something. Okay. Business is highly emotional.
2: Isn't it? it That's why I'm like. Everyone's acting like it's not, but bitch.
1: Business is the most yes! emotional path. It is the biggest self-development yes! path. It will highlight your weaknesses, your triggers, yeah. your insecurities, your strengths, And the reason why people don't succeed in business is actually because they can't manage the emotional journey of it. Not because they didn't do the strategy with the, with the money. Right. Right. It's because they don't have the mental strength to know they're not in tune with their emotions. They don't know how to deal with fear, discomfort, uncertainty, financial risk, putting yourself out there, being assertive, Mm -hmm. being in tough conversations. Looney, can you shut up? I'm in the (laughs) middle of something. Um, this is like I'm recording a podcast so for me I never ever suppress and deny and think that my business is not an emotional endeavor running scouts agency is the most emotional thing I've ever done in my entire life yeah and for anyone that says that emotions don't belong
2: in business are lying you know what that also goes with when you say that uh Have you ever read? um, Oh, God, what is it called by Emmy Thomas? Like my life is the sociopath or something like that. Half of Fortune 500 CEOs are sociopaths. And you know why? Mm. Because they don't have to regulate any of those emotions because they don't have empathy or don't feel empathy. That's that's true, which also is getting into a whole other. There's neurotypical and untypical and there's different types. But there's two
1: types of CEOs. I guess there's that one, the psychopath. But CEOs nicknamed bipolar the the bipolar like bipolar disorder is nicknamed the CEO disease. Yes,
2: absolutely, because it that that level of disattachment or a different relationship with your emotions than neurotypical people make it so that you can either succeed or just not understand what's going on. The only
1: reason I I'm an entrepreneur is because when I found it, entrepreneurship looked at me and said. Oh, you, you do high highs and low lows in your jo- in your normal life? Come with me. You can experience <laughs> them in business.
2: And it's like, you'll know how to navigate you'll this. Know, yeah. You got this. this
1: is where you're used to you're this. Used you're to used this. to this. You're fine. So That's here. I actually yeah. advocate for the mentally ill to become entrepreneurs. Wow. How cool. Because we're so used to dealing with extremes mm-hmm. and we're so used to dealing with Moving through uncomfortable emotions and making ourselves feel safe and getting us out of them mm-hmm. once you've healed. Of course, not when you're like in the thick of the worst years. Sure. But yeah, the um, CEO is nicknamed, like the bipolar disorder is yeah. nicknamed the CEO disorder.
2: Maybe that's why I felt so stifled at NAMI too, because the nine to five structure I could not handle.
1: Also, I went to a NAMI support group Did once. Did you?
2: Family to, peer to peer?
1: What? Um, they have different
2: support groups uh, You probably went to peer-to-peer I Peer-to-peer remember, is just like a peer support group
1: There was this wife who brought her husband And he was so suicidal And Aww. he was it was so bad And w- he just talked about his experience And then this person talked about their experience And then this person talked about their experience And I had come from the 12-step support groups Because my husband's um, sober And so right. I would join him And just sit Because I'm not an alcoholic or an addict sure. But I would go to open meetings and just listen And then I went to a depression anonymous And then ACA Uh-huh which are 12 step programs, not in the addiction and alcoholic field. And then the meeting ended and I was like, Hey, where's the action item?
2: Exactly. So
1: 12 step has action, action items. items. Yeah. They have people that go up to you and they'll sponsor you or they'll right. help you or give me your number. And I looked right. at this man and I said, sure, he came here and but spoke was his talking truth about
2: his suicide ideation, helping him not go home and complete his plan.
1: Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's a, there's something to be said about talking your truth and audibly processing but once you've done that, we gotta give these action. Where's the items. intervention?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and and not in a not in a I don't say intervention in a s- typical way. Yeah, I- yeah, In yeah. terms of like, yeah, tangible plans. Like,
1: where's you know there was no feedback on right. anything, and I said, I've talked about this shit enough. Like, yeah. I've cried about my depression and my psychosis enough. Like. yeah. We gotta give this guy help. Like he's yeah. just, he's leaving. He's walking he's leaving. out the then door. What? Then what? Yeah. And I think about that man all the time. Oh, I, re- totally. I hope he's alive and doing well. I really was do. I
2: here in San Diego.
1: It was in Orange County. Orange County. So that's why I wasn't a fan. I think it was. I think it's great for people maybe in the more emergency state or the more like immediate don't know
2: what they're doing like to go yes. to a support group. I think NAMI support groups the best. Like the the best feedback they get truly. And the best that the most progress I've seen people have is their family to family. So that's family members or friends of someone with a mental illness or addiction that can go to these. And that I think is where they really thrive because that's when people are sharing and all talking to each other. And they'll all go up to each other and be like, oh, you know, this worked with my kid or my husband. And like, Mm -hmm. this is how I established this boundary. And I got to that, like that, that style of support makes a lot more sense to me when it's peers and people actively going through things. You do need The tangible. This is what we were just talking about with brands. If you offer this destigmatization piece and sharing your story, but do not follow up with any resources, Mm -hmm. any support, any research, any action items, anything that's that can really help someone start their own journey, what are you doing? You're just sharing to share, which I right now i don't think is helpful like we're past we're past that we're past the point of mental health becoming
1: a mainstream conversation exactly. now so we were talking about the commodification of mental health which people have all these phil- philosophies which i was first introduced to this concept through the commodification of feminism right Ooh. so that's cool, been a situation cool, cool, uh, that the whole thing and so no, now okay. that i've watched As someone who's who's a member of the mental illness community, I've watched mental health become commodified. And for me, my stance, which I'm sorry, I don't know if it's the popular opinion. I think the commodification of movements drives us forward because we live in a capitalistic society. I'm also. I
2: love so much that you say that because I don't think anyone else is willing to admit that. Oh, I love capitalism. It's not to say. okay, so maybe I don't agree there, but not in terms of like maybe not. We have to. when I, and when I say that, that is a very uh, everyone's... Yeah I, yeah, yeah, I know. There are a lot of
1: nuances. Of I course, not a, I'm not. I'm not. But you gotta say this shit. i uh, yeah, like, you do. You have to put the. disclaimer you you gotta like put the disclaimers. Yeah, yeah. I am not a fan of the corruptness and where right, it's right. led us. However, I I do believe in a capitalistic society, and I believe the commodification of a movement is a really great way to fit into the framework so that people can change their
2: minds right exactly and even if you didn't like a capitalistic society let's say guess what the reality is right now if you're in america you're living in one so like how do you utilize how do you make isness your business that's what marie forleo used to say like how do you utilize what's happening right now to make it work for you and if that means the commodification of mental health then do it in a way where you're offering that tangible follow-up
1: there's i mean you can get kind of dark on this because there's a lot of lit theory there's a lit theory yeah. that says and i don't remember what the name is is that for example like bob marley was technically a threat to capitalism yep. right oh, he, was. he
2: was so what it have you read his autobiography it's so no. good no. light light my fire or something like that i had to read in college and it was actually beautiful you know he's his mom was like a witch like totally does, had visions tarot the whole like yeah. energetic beautiful you might really fuck with it but we'll circle back keep okay going. i'm gonna read that
1: he the way that our capitalistic capitalistic society allowed him to be present in our culture was by commodifying him Mm -hmm. was by selling t-shirts and posters and cds etc so that was the commodification of bob marley and one could argue that that was against his message or one could argue that his message infiltrated more people by assuming the role that's a whole philosophical argument that you can have while I've been watching the commodification of mental health in the beginning, I was really excited about it mm-hmm. because it was like, hell People yeah. are talking about People talking like, about it. How
2: long have we been waiting? There's yeah. a
1: hashtag about it. Yes. Fuck yeah. And then I was like, yeah. okay, okay, so we've been doing this for a hot minute. We're good. Now these companies are making millions mm. off of trendy sweatshirts with which I'll just say shout out to Matt Happy for hiring you because Thank that's you. the point of this. Yeah. And at what point are people spending x amount on mental health commodification versus spending x amount on therapy or x amount on healing so if these people are going to lead the crusade to getting mental health out there which thank you i i truly thank you from the bottom of my heart but now we got to move with the times the same way you did real fast Yep. we got to move with the times and if you're going to commodify mental health thank you and please donate proceeds of your your revenue.
2: Please and partner or with pl- a goddamn resources. professional. Yeah. Partner with someone that knows if what is trauma informed, what is research backed, because you I think that's the thing is if we're ter- if we're leveling up in terms of like what we know and what we're talking about, right? Like stigma was the first part. Woo, we're on board. We're, we're good. having we're conversations. Doing good. This is so cool. Yeah. Now we're having conversations where you hear people say something, and you're like, okay totally hear where you're coming from i feel like maybe you mean to say it this way which is no problem you don't know we have not had these conversations before but in the same way we're trying to teach people the tools of anti-racism and the same way like maybe some white family in huntsville alabama has never been exposed to it so they're saying the wrong they they said they were colorblind and didn't understand that that invalidates someone's experience and now they learned it can move on we have to also learn that saying things like Commit suicide is like not the. You know, there's just these little lessons. Someone says that? that? Commit suicide? Yeah, isn't that. That's like what everyone there's a sweatshirt that says that no not a sweatshirt oh, i'm just Jesus. saying in terms of people's verbiage oh like there's yeah. even like small little verbiage things that mean different things yeah, and yeah, there, yeah I see there's these saying. little bits of understanding that maybe people don't know yet which is not their fault because no one has talked about it mm-hmm. but it is your due diligence to seek resources that make sense like i love to say to i i have a tiktok not to produce content because i can't handle it. i know maddie's like the tiktok tween i cannot handle it but i love consuming the content mm-hmm. like I'm in such a wholesome place on the internet because of TikTok. I love it so much. So I like, like even if you're getting your resources and your mental health and through through TikTok, cool, get them wherever you want, but get them from a doctor or get them from a licensed professional or get it from someone like you that is a peer with lived experience that talks to professionals. i just make sure that you're going to sources that you're double checking and making sure they are credible. And-, and,
1: Ooh, I'm going to come up with okay, another I'm perspective. Ready. We're going to keep going in this. And while well, I agree that these places should be t- should be either providing resources, crisis hotlines, mm-hmm. free resources for everyone to get involved in. And um, there's so many. It's not hard so to shout many. them out. Come on. Sh- shout it out. Shout yeah. it out. Partner yeah. with them for free. Exactly. Put their logo on your website. Boom. Beautiful. So easy. And I suffer. Not suffer. I struggle with this a lot because I'm out there preaching mental health mm-hmm. I don't have and as you said I have a peer lived experience mm-hmm. so that's where I speak from mm-hmm. but I don't have the I mean yeah I went through outpatient choice where they taught me all about cognitive behavioral therapy I learned and also the peer
2: support thing. model is so fucking strong like every single strong. community program hires peer support specialists because the peer support model is so strong in a different facet that therapy can't always give you so yes. don't diminish your experience by just identifying as a peer keep
1: going that's a great point so I provide that pure support in the times where therapy and psychiatrists might not get you yeah. and they might fail you. Just because someone is a doctor yes. and just because someone is qualified does not mean that they know what is best for you and your body. I spent many years, Absolutely. to be honest, I am very a little bit and I would love to see a reform in the Western way that we treat mental illness and psychology and therapy because for many years I was treated clinically like a patient, Mm -hmm. like I had to be monitored and observed. And I wasn't given the narrative that I could really branch out of it. It was always, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And they talked to me like I was a fucking mental case. Mm -hmm. And there were times when I wanted to just punch them in the face and be like, do you like...
2: I'm not a two-year-old dude. Like, I so have a really big problem when people do that with uh, the homeless community. Oh, When yeah, people won't anyone, look at the yeah. homeless community or when people say, oh, don't they just, w- they, well, some of them want to be homeless. Have you ever talked to a fucking homeless person before? Have you no, ever realized that that's... no one has taught independent living skills in the revolving door of the 70s when everyone was kicked out of asylums? You think they want to be homeless? No, it's easy to be in depression. Yeah, They don't want to be homeless. It's yeah. easy to be in depression because no one's taught you the independent living skills to get yourself out of this situation. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Whenever
1: I see a homeless person now outside of like a 7-Eleven, I actually ask them what they want. Cool. Because I don't just want to give them a dollar or
2: buy something
1: for themselves. I'm like, let them choose what they want in their life. I I know it's small. They say Doritos and then I get them more stuff. But
2: like... Or like when people are like, oh, if I just give them money, they're going to buy drugs. Yeah, guess what? Do you want them to go through withdrawal on the street while they're also trying to protect their only social security card after their backpack has been stolen? And they yeah. have no means of ID, can't even open a bank account. How do you think they're even going to get in a shelter if they don't have an ID? Like, yeah. this is why. Like, maybe let them buy the drugs so they're not withdrawing, so they have the mental energy to walk to the shelter that night. I don't know.
1: Homelessness is a, <sighs> It's actually something that I'm being called to... Um, to work with, I was, I, was, I was in the car with my mom the other day and my sister, and we were talking about how we want to get to a point where we can give back. Cool. And I said, I- I'm sorry.
2: Get to a point?
1: <laughs> that's a cop out. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying get to a point yeah. for a while, yeah. and I'm financially better off now than I've ever been. That's cool of you. And I said, How self aware? That's,
2: I can if help the not now, today. When? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And I help. With my mental health am I talking, but I'm talking about, you know, more with either with my dollar, which I think is a powerful yes. way to do it. Yeah. Let people who have dedicated their lives be supported to help mm-hmm. these people. It's a great way. But I am being called. I don't know what it is. When I was in high school, I went to a homeless girls shelter.
2: Mm. Rachel's. It was in downtown Crest, San Diego. And I'm trying to okay. find it. I keep Googling. It. I don't I, know. If I think Rachel's. It's is it
1: Rachel's? Can you send me the information? It,
2: you know, my boyfriend still works at a homeless like support how it's it's a homeless clubhouse so it has like all these different support resources and he outreaches or he manages the outreach team and it's a uh, program through NAMI. okay so if you're called to this you gotta talk to Aaron yeah, he'll help you
1: because I went there in high school and I remember the experience I don't remember it so well but I just the the bunk beds were mm-hmm. so great, and it was a beautiful facility I was mm-hmm. so happy mm-hmm. it's really beautiful mm-hmm. but there's something about young girls mm-hmm. that just You know, I look at them and I know this is weird and I don't know if other people do this, but I was standing out here in my backyard and I put on this is my fight song, which I did a whole reel to, you know, this. is, And I had this vision for my life where I'm on stage with (laughs) 25 loony ruining my moment once again (laughs) with 25 young girls. And they're singing this song so powerfully with oh. me. And I'm like, there's something about a young girl being empowered that just I was there's this there's this organization called the mics don't pick up her um, barking, by the way, <laughs> called um Kaylee's Queens. OK. And I don't know it's em. a it's a virtual subscription and they do events of women, all, gr- girls all around the world. And I was a speaker at one of them. Cool. And these girls blew me away. Yeah. Like one girl spoke, this girl was nine and she spoke and in the chat, yes, queen, you're killing it. Go girl. You're a queen. Like, and then one girl's like, I'm going to be the first pilot to do this as a woman. Like it was so cool. And I know that if they don't have those spaces to feel empowered and to someone to tell them you can do what you want to do i don't know why and so i'm i'm trying i've been researching a little bit it's just been the last few weeks that it's come very clear to me that one way i want to give back whether it's through you know visiting once a month and planning Mm -hmm. a party or if it's just through money whatever it is Mm -hmm. either way is great if you're listening to this and you're thinking of different options um working with girls Mm -hmm. to build their self-esteem whether they come from um, you know under supported families or or they're homeless whatever mm-hmm. the spectrum is I don't you know whatever spectrum it is I'm happy to help um, it's just something that I really really want to start doing I, I want to find an organization that I really believe in because I I don't want to just commit loosely I want to sure. I want to actually get some roots sure in an organization and I want to pick that one and, and not yeah. spend too long picking it because then you'll never pick it yeah but to really pick one yeah. of those org- because
2: I, I have one that might land for you, really? but it's not local. It's in New York, which is harder because local, no. you can do something in person, yeah. but it, it is. It sounds so it's called smile on me. Mm-hmm. The, um, the CEO, her name's Dre Thomas. She's so cool and nice and awesome. And she takes a bunch of young girls, like disenfranchised youth. I, th- I around New York, I'm not sure like a specific location, but around New York, and she prepares them for puberty. So whether that's money management, oh, remember that's, that's cool. learning about your periods, whether that's managing emotions and your mental health, like mm-hmm. in all aspects of health and wellness, kind of giving them the tools to that's come awesome. into that age. And so it's called Smile On Me and they're doing a whole summer camp next year. I'll yeah. show you them because yeah, that might be them. a cool, yeah. even if it's not the long-term one, it might be a cool place to start. Yeah. 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 I'm just feeling called towards that right yeah. now. Yeah, I think like you s- said I think without those in spaces girls I mean we're just taught to like not trust ourselves and that everything is so shameful in so many different ways okay so I'm circling back and now I've had wine so I'm not going to say this articulately, articulately. <laughs> see as you fuck yeah, up as I word. fuck up we were talking about something earlier and it it was kind of that concept of like if you're not validated or, or, or no, 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 no. You were saying how you don't want to have trigger warnings in front of what you say because yeah. if you're triggered by something, you don't change the circumstance. You acknowledge yourself. I was going to totally segue us, and now I'm kind of excited we're circling back to this. Something that my boyfriend and I were talking about a lot recently was every time I feel like him and I discuss the patriarchy or okay. women or anything like that, he will validate everything I'm saying and then go on to say, like, but isn't it not just that? Like, don't you think there's other factors as well? And I say, of course, absolutely, there is. But no woman is gonna hear you say that when all you do is give one sentence going, "Yeah, sure, but." Yeah. Like we are, we are screaming to be heard and validated because I don't think that goes men to every, really understand. But that goes to
1: every single social justice. It does. Uh, fight.
2: Exactly, and it's because yes, like, I hear you, but. but and it's like, but if you but if you skip to that end gold, like going back to um colorblind, oh yeah, but is wouldn't it be nicer if we didn't? Yeah, sure it would. But, but you're not missing the, the reality of what we're living in and like we have to kind of take steps to help people get there. So in the same way, like not everything is about the patriarchy, but yeah, girls are told to not trust themselves in every aspect of life. And I don't think men always really I mean, see kind that of when like they go about
1: the patriarchy. It
2: is all the time. That's how I feel. <laughs> because
1: yeah, I mean, at this point, maybe it's other things, but the patriarchy made it so. Exactly, it's been hundreds of years of conditioning. Exactly, from and generation of woman to generation of right. woman. Have you read um, "No Woman Is a Man"? No. Oh, it's incredible. I'm. I think her name is Itaf. I'm gonna probably say that wrong. She's a Palestinian Arab woman, mm-hmm. and she writes the most riveting um, story about it's a semi autobiographical oh, cool. and it's about, um, a Palestinian American family who immigrated from Palestine and the, the abuse mm. that men did to women and the limited options for women, which is really like no college. You stay in the house. You can't yeah. even go for a walk by yourself. Just really intense. And it was so incredible because you saw how it was generationally passed down yeah. and how even at, at every point each generation wanted to stop it, but they, they, they got their hopes down and then they couldn't and they passed it on and,
2: and the same way we have post traumatic slave syndrome and the same way like inherent traumas passed down through the black community of course it is through women too yeah ancestral yeah. trauma is a thing exactly exactly i don't think people really wrap their heads around that
1: they they don't because it it, it seems how could how could my great grandma's problems enslave me today within certain societal conditionings
2: and it's it's even outside of society it's even biological like there's biological, biological trauma that you pass down in terms of like mm-hmm. how you cope with behaviors from a very, very, very young age because of what's modeled to you. And yes. because of like what's in your, what's in your body, like what's your go-to reaction to things I'm are. I'm going to
1: sound stupid, but because I can't articulately talk about the studies, but at I least you can say articulate. <laughs> <laughs> but I've read studies yeah. where what happens to epigenetics, to yes. neuroplasticity in mothers and fathers who experience certain you know, emotional, chemical, whatever, Mm -hmm. it gets passed down.
2: Ooh, okay. So does, you know how uh, Dr. Nicole LaPera, people have varying
1: opinions on her.
2: Yes. And uh, specifically about how she doesn't like the term mental illness. And she says that we're treating trauma, not mental illness. Yes. And that you can heal from trauma and mental illness pigeonholes people. Like you said, where people pigeonholed you, like you would have this for the rest of your life
1: yeah my dog's <laughs> so this excited is gonna be the best okay episode <laughs> ever it's gonna be like joe rogan style literally this is literally God joe style. rogan style how do uh
2: how do you feel about that like I do you do I you identify with like the word because I, I feel myself having resistance to her not liking the word mental illness but i also feel like that's my conditioning from studying psychology and being in this yeah yeah. yeah let <laughs> me
1: first say this i don't give a shit what she says yeah exactly like yeah. I don't give a shit if she doesn't like the word "mental illness." Yeah. That's the whole point. Like, yeah. we can't just look at people, and this is her philosophy, and like be all up in arms about the way it makes sense in her mind. Yeah, I, I am able. Oh my God, I'm so sorry, sisters, if you hear my dog. Loony, I
2: Looney, come here. Come sit with me. No, look at her face. She's
1: so happy. She's so pleased with herself. I think there is a lot of truth in what she says. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth and I resonate with her work specifically because she talks about the holes in psychiatry mm-hmm. and therapy and how When when you look at things like a mental illness, you're not looking at it integratively, integratively, and holistically. Mm -hmm. You're not looking at the spiritual, the soul, the the physical. Stop it, Luna, (laughs) baby. You gotta stop. You gotta stop. Mommy's mommy's. She's trying to kiss her. (laughs) Um, Luna's trying to screaming at my dog. Um, (laughs) let me let me put her inside real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, I understand why she wants to go away from that. I think what she's symbolizing in that statement is that she's moving away from an older narrative narrative of psychology and mental illness which i really appreciate because that narrative was imposed on me that um, wasn't helpful mm-hmm. i believe i believe well, because
2: it makes you think you'll never heal in one which isn't you'll never true. heal
1: and that other parts of your life aren't associated or connected yes. like
2: yeah.
1: you're depressed okay we're going to put you on this medication and this mm-hmm. is not a psa against medication mm-hmm. but i I am very sensitive to mm-hmm. psychiatric medication. There were times when I was on a med and I literally couldn't get out of bed till two, like yeah. physically yeah. I slept probably 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. There was one that made me so sick. There was one that made me suicidal. There was one that made me gain lose a lot of weight. There was one that made me gain a lot of weight.
2: Oh God. There's certain antipsychotics where like your actual, just your mm-hmm. guts, like yep. just your digestive system will like blow up and swell. Like, ooh, But the point is,
1: is that the psychiatrist knew all this. Yeah. And just kept throwing shit at me. Yeah. Because then they're just going to
2: add more to counteract to whatever or try side try effects something you new. had. Or try Instead s- yeah, of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what if
1: they said, hey, for a month, let's put you on yoga, breath yeah. work, yeah. meditation. You're going to eat clean. You're going to remove alcohol as much as you can. Like, yeah. there comes a point where the current model is just throwing shit at you versus asking you to take actual responsibility over yes. your mental health
2: yeah.
1: with the belief that you
2: can exactly well i think that's why i've been so which is stuck why on i Lacey like phillips. nicola Perra. yeah and that's why i've been so into Lacey phillips is it's not manifestation from a toxic positive standpoint of make the bed on the person on the side next to you so you're calling you, call
1: in Wait, that you person. just pour me my need and pour yourself
2: in. i c- you pour it for me remember you oh, can't shit, pour your own shit. that's the rule okay. <laughs> i'm like pour mine because you know what i mean it's moving away from that and into no there's a, like through epigenetics and neuroplasticity totally. you can form new neural pathways to make yourself believe that something's possible for you so then you achieve it like the first person that ran the four or five minute mile wherever Crazy. it was and then within six months four other people did yeah. and no one had ever done it it's because all you have to do is have that expansion in the same way it's like you can heal from your mental health and if someone just implanted that idea then who knows I even think we overdiagnose people. I think if you're oh, not sure. limited, I mean, the DSM is so fucked up. Being being trans, being gay has was in there till like what three seconds ago. Like oh, that's the crazy. DSM is so fucked that's up in really general. Bad. It's oh my god. But even that narrative, like you're saying, like, what what power would have someone brought to you if from day one? Someone was like, oh, you can totally heal from this. We just are going to have to figure out what game plan works. Yeah. And we'll try a bunch of different stuff. And everyone is always on their own path to figuring it out. So don't worry. You're not alone. But, like, we might have to try some stuff. But we're going to start now.
1: Yeah. That's why I love Nicole the para because... Yeah. She reminds the person that they have the power. Yeah. Like when you're in therapy and psychiatry and medication and your therapist, those people and the medication will not heal you completely no. if you yeah. don't believe that you can do it and you don't show up for yourself. Yeah. So I love how Nicole is putting that power of people's healings back in their totally. in themselves because you can take a medication that works. Yeah. That literally works and yet you still have work. I to did.
2: Do. Yeah. I did. I started my SNRI, this one that I'm on. <laughs> Two and a half years ago Mm -hmm. now. And And I And you still have to do work. And I still have to do work every day. Yeah. So it That's why I like it
1: because she she puts that which I know you believe in the work. Like the work. The work. She puts she puts that idea back into it versus you're a monitored patient and she also opens up the doors I I think, I believe, for so many people who say, Well, that trauma isn't big enough. Yes. To yes. to warrant me going to therapy. Right. My right. trauma, I had a good childhood. I'm privileged. Yeah. I'm this. Right. I come from a socioeconomic great family. Mm-hmm. I'm white in this country. I'm, I'm a man and I'm white in this country mm-hmm. and come from a socioeconomic good family. All of it. And there's still room for you to heal yourself and you Absolutely. deserve to heal yourself.
2: Everyone deserves it. Everyone deserves it. Yeah. And I think that's hard for people to feel inherently, but it's so true. I think, um, I think we all do. I'm, I'm one of those people that believe we're all born with that feeling that inherent worth. And it's taught to us that we don't through whatever circumstances, but start getting back in tune with that. Yeah. That's where all the, that's where it, all the healing goodness comes from. And it's also where you get the strength to keep going when the healing isn't linear and you have to go backwards <laughs> for a little bit. Knowing you're worth it the whole time and you're going to make it through because you're worth this work. You know, that's how you get through it.
1: Okay, that's how we're ending this episode. You are worth this work.
2: You're worth the work. You are
1: worth the work. And when it's not linear, remind yourself of that. Go us! Oh my God! How many? How long have we been recording? I have no clue. I didn't look at the. T- oh shit! It's oh my seven? God! This is the <laughs> longest okay, sis recording I've ever done in my life. You're gonna have to edit this. I'm so sorry. No, I'm not editing it. I'm posting oh, the whole okay, cool. thing. Oh, I'm just cool. taking out the parts where like Luna was breaking. Okay. Okay, uh, everyone. Meadow, that was so fun. Please let everyone. I can't believe
2: that was so long. I love it so much. Sorry. We could
1: have probably kept going, but I'm like, yeah, maybe easily. this is like a like this is gonna be. Published. Well, you're gonna
2: come on ours. Oh yes, I'm so excited. So then excited. you know we'll do a whole thing. I'm yeah. so excited. Okay, tell everyone where they can find you. At it's Meadowlark. It, it's Meadow Lark. It's Meadowlark. I changed my Instagram recently. I rebranded myself. Oh. It used to be Meadow A F, but that was my college identity. Yeah, I we just don't felt know. Like it didn't serve me no, anymore. It, that doesn't serve you. It's Meadowlark. M E A D O W L A R K. Beautiful. That's Follow me. her along. I'm Go answering. to the
1: local optimist at Mad Happy.
2: Yeah. I'll have a podcast eventually. It's not out yet. It's coming. It's called Thoughts May Vary. It's all about mental health. Oh. Scout's gonna be on it. I'm so excited. It'll I be out wait. soon. I can't wait. Follow with, me with Gabby, yeah, right? With Gabby. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Oh, my
1: God. OK, sisters. And you can follow me at Scout Sobel on Instagram, at OK Sis Podcast on Instagram. We, All we hope you liked this. <laughs> I don't know. Send we had a,
2: fun. If you're still here, uh, <laughs> send us a DM. Yeah. Let us
1: know your thoughts. Comment or sh-
2: something random.
1: Or share this to a friend who's just like, yeah. I don't know what to do today. I want to listen to two chicks sit outside in a garden, drinking wine, chatting about
2: Trauma, mental ancestral health. trauma, mental health, the patriarchy, body
1: shame, why we
2: should all orgasm regularly. Oh, yeah,
1: we <laughs> talked about that. Capitalism, <laughs> like, fuck, Bob Marley, who the fuck knows, but love Thank you, for sisters. Me. Thank you, love. That was so fun. Okay, bye, everyone. Bye.